So I'm reading from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, and anyone that's following it on their pew Bibles, it's on page 735. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Thank you. Tough topics. Uh, we've had a few, haven't we, as we've gone through over this last month. And a none less a tough topic, uh, asylum seekers and refugees. Uh, it's something that in the last 10 to 15 years has been particularly uh, part of our Australian culture and part of the political scene. Uh, it's hardly a week goes by, does it, where there's not something or someone makes some statement uh, that uh, raises the issue or inflames the issue or tries to do something with the issue of asylum seekers and refugees. Uh, it's a huge topic again and so we're not going to be able to explore every aspect of this uh, but we do need to think about it, don't we? And we need to think about it not just from our own sense but from God's position. Uh, often I think we end up being like this. We end up being two chairs, don't we? Uh, one chair, uh, there's someone there who's got their particular view of how we as Australians relate, relate and react to this issue and then a person in the other chair. And uh, we can uh, debate across the chairs to each other and one can have the idea that we need to close our borders, we need to shut everything down, stop those boat people, stop those illegal people coming in, you know, but do work somewhere else. Let's do it on the refugee ground where they are overseas. Or we get the other person in the other chair who says, no, 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 bring them all in, let them all in. We are such a big country, we need to have as many people in here. There's great opportunity for them to be here. Let's see that by showing mercy here. Now, both those chairs can have uh, good things in them, can't they? Uh, but sometimes those chairs go from being just chairs and are sitting there to being placards and statements and protests 
And all of that can be very hurtful and can be very uh, damaging to not only others but to us. But often what we do, I think most Australians actually are just sitting in the chairs, debating about it. What I want to encourage you this morning, and as we come to look at God's Word together, is to think about this not from our own perspective, but from God's, from where His heart is. And then as we see where God's heart is, then we can respond in that. I'm not going to tell you which chair you need to sit in. I'm not actually going to say that you need to be sitting in chairs. I'm going to challenge you to get out of the chair. I'm not going to be telling you what you should do and what position you should take, but I want to encourage you to look at God's Word and see how God's Word challenges you and where God's Word takes you in this whole area and situation. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to think that through together. Let's pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, it is a tough topic, this one. Uh, It's one that has uh, brought a whole lot of passion uh, and a whole lot of debate and a whole lot of anger at times, Lord. Uh, We pray this morning that as we come to look at this together, as your people here, as your people around your word together, Lord, we pray that your spirit will do a mighty work within us, that uh, we'll be open and honest and listening to what your spirit has to reveal to us through your word, Lord. We ask this and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the first thing I want to say to you, as I've said to you in just about every tough topic that we've had, that it's great to have the topic there and we can think about it from a political position and from a debating position. But first and foremost, in just about all these tough topics, we need to remember that it is about people. It's about people. That amongst all the stuff that's going on, There are individuals who are being impacted by this big issue in in the world today. Uh, This is uh, some statistics for you. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on them, but just for you to get a little bit of a glimpse of what's happening around the world today. Uh, The UNHCR, which is the United Nations aspect of the refugee uh, issue, as they look at it, uh, they tell us that today, across the world, there are 65.3 million displaced people. Now, they may be displaced within their own country, they may be displaced and heading to other countries, but there's 65.3 million of them. Uh, there's 21.3 million refugees uh, looking in other places to get out of their country to go to another country. I'm not, I can't remember the exact statistic but the statistic of number of those who are under 18 is something like about 50 to 60% of them. It's a phenomenal figure that most of the people that are looking for refugee status around the world at the moment, a large percentage of them are kids and unaccompanied children. Uh, some of those are stats there. You'll see where are they going to, where are they coming from, all those different parts of it. Uh, there's lots of different things there that you can look at. And, and in some senses, it almost does grab you, doesn't it? And it's almost overwhelming. It's almost too big. But in that are people, individuals, who for many different reasons are living in hellish situations and need to get out. Their lives are on the line. Their livelihoods are on their line. 
their health is on the line. There are individuals amongst that 65.3 million. And so as individual people, we need to sit back and think about that and think about what God thinks of every individual. You see, all people matter to God. Sometimes, don't we, we sit here in this very comfortable part of Australia in our little armchairs debating this about different people and what they're like and who they are and what they're going to do and what they're going to do. God says all of them matter and all of them have dignity. In Genesis 1, God created everyone, didn't he? All human beings. And all human beings are created in the image of God. Now that image is corrupted and it's as much corrupted in us as it is in any person. No nation in the world is more corrupted than, than you and I. Every person in the world matters to God. Every person in the world is in some sense the image of God. And every person in the world has dignity and deserves dignity. And God says that they all matter. Now if you work your way through the Old Testament, uh, you'll see that God does work with individuals and God does work with the nation Israel. But God never takes his hands off the rest of the people either. And God says when he's speaking to Israel about how they should be as a nation, he says that they need to look out for those that are the refugees, those that are being displaced. Have a look at this in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10. It says this, Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, that's Israel, their descendants above all nations as it is today. They were to be the light to the world of how great God is. That's what their nation was supposed to be. Uh, Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. They weren't living well, were they, even back in Deuteronomy. He says, you need to be changed, guys. The Lord your God is God of gods, the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the foreigner. The word literally is refugee among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Strong words, aren't they? If there was any nation that wanted to hold on to their exclusivity and how good they were, it was Israel, God's chosen people. And what does God say? Welcome the foreigners in. What does he say? Look after them, father them, care for them. Protect them. That's challenging, isn't it? Why does he say that? He says that because you were refugees. You were foreigners. And you see, that is for you and I as well. You see, we all matter to God, but ultimately, we are all refugees. You see, from the moment in the garden... When God sent Adam and Eve out, everyone from then on is a refugee because our home is with God. That is where we're supposed to be and that is where we're heading and anything else is not home. From that moment on, everyone was a refugee and everyone was wanting to come back home to be with God. That is where we were supposed to be. That is the place that we are to be. And if you look at the, the picture of what the God goes through the Old Testament, Israel didn't live up to it, didn't make it. 
And so God scattered them out. And when you get to the New Testament, what does Peter say about us? What does Paul say about us? What does Jesus say about us? Jesus says, foxes have homes, but I don't. And neither will you. What does Peter say? We're aliens. We're refugees. We're actually not part of this world. This is not our home, guys. This is not our place. We're actually refugees. We want to go back to be home. Back in the presence of God. Back in the perfection with him. And there's only one way back. And that's Jesus. He's the only one that gets us to return. That is our only home. Now I'm going to say a bit of controversial here. And you might disagree or agree with me. But that is not our home. This is not our home. Australia's not our home, guys. We've been placed here. God has put us here. We want to be very thankful for that. We can love our country. Uh, we can look to serve it and do what, it, what we can to make it a better place and to bring Jesus to that country. But that's not our home. And we need to be really careful when we talk about being patriotic about Australia. Because patriotism has been used in many ways for some very horrible things. Because patriotism says that this is my home. Whereas God says, no. Be patriotic about your home with me, yes. That is where your home is. That is where you need to be. That is the place that your love and your desire is wanting to be. Here on this place, I'm lending this place to you for a little while, guys. It's not yours, it's mine. There is no place on this earth that is owned by anyone. It is all God's. Whether you've been here 50 years, 100 years, thousands of years, I'm sorry, it's not yours. We don't own this place. It's not ours, guys. It's his. That's challenging, isn't it? You may disagree with me. But think it through. God says that all people matter to him. God says that we're all refugees heading back to him. And we're in this country where we are only because of him. And it's his and not ours. And so that makes us and brings us to that question, doesn't it? Then who is our neighbour? Which is what we're looking at in the passage today. Who is my neighbour? It's a very famous part of the Bible, isn't it? The Good Samaritan story. Uh, you could almost go down the street and you could use the term Good Samaritan and probably 90% of the people would have a concept of it. Uh, they may not know that it comes from the Bible, but they'll have this concept that the idea of Good Samaritan is someone who goes to the aid and the rescue of someone that they don't know. They'll, they use it in the news lots, don't they? Oh, there was a person walking down the street and they became the Good Samaritan. They went and rescued a person who was being attacked by someone else. They didn't know them. It's a very famous story, isn't it? It's a very popular story. But it's a very challenging story too, isn't it? Because the context of it is this guy who is a leader of uh, the teachers of the law and he's come to Jesus and it says to us that he wants to come and trick him up, doesn't he? He comes to Jesus and he wants to pose a question to him just to see if he can just get around this little bit about what Jesus is on about. You know, when you want to trick Jesus up, you want to be on your game. Jesus is not going to be tricked up very easy, is he? But you need to be on your game and so he comes and he comes with a really very good question, doesn't he? He comes to him and he asks him, 
Uh, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What I give to have someone come and ask me that down the street today. Sorry, there's a bit of Monty Python for you. What would I give? What would you give? Well, if they came to me in the street down the corner, I'd say, come and join me for a six-week course and I'll take you through it and I'll explain it for you. Jesus doesn't do that, does he? Uh, Jesus knows this guy's heart and he wants to get to his heart. And so Jesus asks another question. Yes, Jesus does that lots. Jesus doesn't always answer the question for people. He gets them to think about another question. Because where Jesus wants to get to is to the soul and to the heart of the person. Because this guy has a temporary thing on the outside he wants to deal with, but Jesus wants to deal with his heart. So he asks him, well, Jesus says, what's written in the law? What does the Old Testament say to you, mate? What do you reckon about that? Well, the guy thinks about it and he gives a really good answer. He says what? He answered the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, with all the soul, with all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. It's a great answer. It's the answer the New Testament gives. It's the answer that Jesus gives. But what we're on about, love God and love others is what he says. But Jesus knows there's something underneath here that he needs to get at. Jesus says to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Now, Jesus knows that none of us can do that. But he wants to see what this guy's answer is, doesn't he? He wants to find out what this guy's really thinking. And so what does he do? The guy gives another good answer, doesn't he? He says, well, hold on. Uh, he says, hold on. That's a really great... I know that's what, that's what... That's the summary of the Ten Commandments. Love God, love others. That's great. But I need to bring that down to something manageable. I need to bring that down to something that I can actually... You know, I can I put my finger on this. I can actually... That, that's too big and too broad for me. I need to get this to something. It's like when people ask you, how much should I give a church? How much should I give away? They want you to give a figure, don't they? Because then that becomes manageable. And then I can tick the box. I'm going to say, pass, Mark. That's what this guy wanted, doesn't he? He wants the tick. He wants to be passed. He says, right, I'm in. I've got it. So let's narrow it down. Let's get it to a containable fit here. Let's see what we can work out here. So he says, who's my neighbour? If I can work out who my neighbour is, and Jesus is going to be good here, my neighbour, it's going to be someone who's close by, isn't it? It's going to be someone who looks like me, who sounds like me, who has the same religion as me. That's my neighbour. If I can love them, that's going to be great. Woohoo! I'll get my pass mark. So what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus doesn't automatically go in and tell him you're an idiot, you've got it wrong. He tells a story. He comes in with a story, and it's a great story, isn't it? He so it works out there, he says, the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, this is a very famous painting from the Middle Ages about the Good Samaritan. And you can see the Samaritan comes over and is helping. And in the background, you can sort of see there, over here, we've got the guys that have been on the other side, and they're walking off up to the temple to go and praise God. This is supposed to be shocking. This is supposed to turn this guy's world on its head. This is supposed to turn our world on its head because this Samaritan who goes across and helps uh, this guy that's been bashed and knocked around is not the guy that you're expecting to do, to do that. Yeah, the religious guys, the really good guys, they're the ones that are supposed to go and do that. Samaritans, they're dirty. They're half-castes. You don't talk to them. They're on the edge of society. They're in their own little place over there. They don't go near them. 
And Jesus says this Samaritan comes in to someone he's not supposed to talk to, someone he's not supposed to love, someone that's from another nation, someone who's really half-caste. And he picks him up. He loves him and he cares for him. And he places him in in an inn and he pays for him. So at great risk and at great cost, the Samaritan reaches out to the Jew that's bashed and bleeding in the ditch. The question that runs through your mind, isn't it, and the question that Jesus wanted this guy to work out is, who are you in this story? Now, the teacher of the law knows that he's a teacher of the law and the teachers of the law have walked past and he's thinking, stuff, I'm not supposed to be one of them, am I? But that's who I'm looking like. He thinks, who am I in the story? Who are you in the story? Now, the interesting twist about all of this is that actually the guy who's asked the question, and you and I, are the guy who's in the ditch. We're actually the ones that have been bashed around. We're actually the ones that are broken. We're the ones that actually cannot do anything to save ourselves or to rescue ourselves. And the Samaritan is actually Jesus, who at great risk and who at great cost reaches into our sinful, broken world. He's holy, he's pure, he's righteous, but he comes and lives amongst us, dirty, broken, sinful people who are in the ditch, who cannot rescue ourselves. And he pulls us out. You see, none of us can be the Samaritan until Jesus has rescued us and taken us out of the ditch. You see, it's he's the one that does that. He's the one that pulls us out. And as we follow him, then we go to do likewise. You see, at the cross, Jesus goes great cost at great risk for you and me but not just for you and me but for everyone in the world for all the refugees you and me included so that they can be rescued so that they can know him and that they can be home it's a wonderful story isn't it challenging story you see when you get to Revelation 7-9 and we get the picture of our ultimate home look at what it looks like after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hand and they were praising God every tribe every nation every people every language that's people from all over the world are standing there this is a classic look of the the world's map isn't it when you look at the world map like this it's all sectioned off isn't it borders lines nations names places that's the world that we live in it's borders everywhere isn't it blocking people out stopping to do all these sorts of things 
This is the picture of God's world. No borders. No keeping people out. It's people of every tribe, every nation, every language have come home. That's the picture of eternity, isn't it? And that's the picture that God lays on our hearts, doesn't he? For the world that we live in now. Now, God knows it's a broken world, and I know it's a broken world, and there are whole lots of things that we need to take into account when we think about refugees and asylum seekers. There are so much there. When we think of policy and practice, we do really need to put a whole lot of thinking into that. And this world is a dangerous place and a broken place, and that means it's not going to be like that yet. But as we think about this, as we form our own opinions and our own thoughts and what's going on for us, can I encourage you to be guided by God's word and his heart and not the politics, not the politicians, not the leaders of the country, but the one who leads the whole world, the king of the whole universe, our King Jesus. Think about it from his perspective. And the one thing I really want to encourage you to do, and I'm not going to tell you whether you need to be working from this perspective or that perspective, but the one thing that Jesus does, doesn't he? At the end of this passage, at the end of the Good Samaritan, he doesn't say, well, let's have a debate about who's the, who's the, who's the good guy here. Let's not have a theological discussion about whether the, the guy should have walked past or not passed. What does he say? He says, go and do likewise. What he's saying to you and I this morning is get out of those armchairs. Don't stay in the armchairs. The armchairs is not where I want you. I want you out. I want you putting love into action. I want you to get out there and do. You see, love isn't just a word. Love does. Love is an action. It drives us out of our armchairs and out into the world to people who go and show mercy. To a world that everyone is a refugee a world that needs to hear the hope of Jesus and that is everyone in the world so can I encourage you to get out to do and that may well be that you need to write to your politicians that may well be that you need to get down and you need to write out what you want to see happen and encourage them but I want you as you think about as you're encouraging encouraging the things in God's heart for people for grace, for compassion, for love, for welcoming. Now, what that looks like, you can work out the right bits about it, but it's got to have those things. If we're going to be writing from God's heart, from Jesus' perspective, it needs to be case in that, doesn't it? Not vitriol, not anger, but in grace and compassion and love. Write to them. Get out there and do that. There's a couple of other things I encourage you you can think about as well. Now, these are some places that you can go to or you can get involved with if you think this is part of what God's speaking to you this morning. There's an organisation that works out of Lismore called Sanctuary Northern Rivers. Uh, It's a Christian organisation based out of uh, a number of Christians in uh, Lismore. uh, and, And... They are doing some amazing stuff with helping refugees resettle or settle into Lismore and the surrounding areas. Uh, go onto the website and have a look at their testimonies. I uh, didn't have time to do that today for you, but 
more than half of the testimonies of those that have come out are Christians and how they've seen how God's hand is part of what's going on for them being settled in Lismore. Uh, have a look at that. There's uh, people in town, the Gateses, with Richard Gates and I've forgotten her name. Who remembers her name? Pam. They're involved with that. Uh, go and talk to them about it. It's, a, it's an amazing organisation. Have a think about that if that's where your heart is. Jericho Road is the uh, compassion arm of the Presbyterian Church of New South Wales. They're at the moment looking at how they respond to the refugee uh, situation and as a whole lot more come into Australia in the next 12 months, uh, go onto their website. Have a look about how you can either help uh, provide things for them or they're even looking for places where they can come and have a holiday a place where they can come and stay and get to experience Australia. Maybe you want to open up your home to be a place where you can have them come in and you can start speaking to them and realise that they're people. Ah, that's what I'm talking about there. I don't know whether you get an opportunity to do that here, but if you're from Sydney, visit a detention centre. Rather than sit back and look at what the television proclaiming what it is, go and visit it. Go and see what's happening on the ground. Maybe start writing to someone who's in one of those detention centres. Start getting to know people that are there. Uh, a couple of years ago we did, did the book by Bill Hybels, Walk Across the Room, which is about just going across and talking to people. It's uncomfortable, it's hard, it's not easy. Uh, but why don't we walk across the room or across the street or walk into Lismore and go and speak to the people who are really black-skinned from the Sudan. Go across and chat to them. It might be awkward, it might be difficult, but we need to have those awkward, difficult conversations, don't we? Because they're the things that God sends us to, to the people. That may be one of the things that God's using to bring them to himself. And it'll stretch you, won't it, as well? It'll stretch us. Love gets out of the armchair and does. Can I encourage you this morning to go home, think about, pray about, read those passages in the Bible, go back and spend some time in the Good Samaritan story and ask God to lay on your heart what he wants out of that for you. And when you get to the very, very last line, Jesus says, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we know this is a complicated issue. It is a world issue. Uh, in some senses, Lord, it, it just seems overwhelming and beyond our being able to just grasp any of it, Lord. But yet, Lord, you are in control. And Lord, you have a heart for all people. And all people matter. Lord, and all people, including us, are refugees from our true home our true home with you, Lord, in eternity. Help us not point our fingers at others, but, Lord, help us open our arms and our hands and our hearts and our lives to fellow refugees, Lord. To show your love and your compassion and your mercy. To reach out and walk across the room, Lord to show love and mercy and grace and compassion that you've shown to us, Lord, that we may show them to others. Well, we're not going to be able to do that by ourselves. We're not going to be able to do that in our own strength. Lord, it's only by your spirit 
working within us, your spirit applying your word, your spirit transforming our lives to be more like Jesus, Lord. That is the only way that this can happen. And Lord, we pray for your spirit to do a mighty work within our hearts and our lives today, Lord. May we go from here people who aren't the same, but people who are changed. Changed by you, Lord, to be more like your son, Jesus. To go out and show mercy and to do likewise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.